0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned, at the end of the program we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: A biker was riding along a California beach when suddenly the sky clouded above his head and a booming voice the Lord said because you have tried to be faithful to me in all your ways I will grant you one wish well the biker pulled over and said build me a bridge to Hawaii so I can ride over anytime I want well the Lord said your request is materialistic Think of of the enormous challenges of that kind of undertaking. The supports required reaching the bottom of the Pacific, the concrete and the steel that it would take, it would nearly exhaust several natural resources. I can do it, but it's hard for me to justify your desire for worldly things. Take a little more time and think of something that would honor me and glorify me. Well, the biker thought about it for a long time, and finally he said, Lord, I wish I could understand my wife. I want to know how she feels inside, what she's thinking when she gives me the silent treatment, why she cries, what she means when she says nothing's wrong, and how I can make a woman truly happy. And the Lord said, you want two lanes or four with that bridge? Okay, Okay, got it out the way. There you go. All right. So, show of hands. Were you with me last Time it wasn't last week. Last time in chapter seven. Okay, it's a good number of you. You know, I told you um, in the beginning of chapter seven, uh, or beginning with chapter seven, David is involved in four important activities. I told you chapter seven. If you are taking notes, write this down: chapter seven, accepting God's will. Four important activities for David: accepting God's will. Chapter seven, fighting God's battles. Chapter eight. Sharing God's Kindness, chapter 9. Defending God's Honor, chapter 10. And chapter 11, David begins to disobey God again. Chapter 7, Accepting God's Will, chapter 8. Fighting God's Battle, chapter 9. Sharing God's Kindness, chapter 10. Defending God's Honor, and chapter 11, David begins to disobey God Again, accepting God's will, fighting God's battles, sharing God's kindness, defending God's honor. And David begins to disobey God again in chapter 11. Earlier in chapter 7, right about verse 1 through 6, we saw David just kind of peruse with me, if you will, chapter 7 earlier We saw David walking around the house. The Bible says the Lord had given him rest from all of his enemies. I told you the palace is probably within earshot of the tabernacle. And so David could hear the music playing. He could see the smoke rising. He could smell the incense from the brazen altar every day. And so David is alone in the palace walking room to room. And it occurred to him that he had a nice place to live in, but God had a tent. God lived in a tent. So David's thinking, that's not right. I'm sitting in a nice place and God is in a pop-up. Now, by this time, David has done a lot for God and for God's people. He's built a wall around the city. You know that. He put uh, in place protection from the enemy. Uh, He's expanded Israel from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. David has done a lot, and yet David isn't satisfied. We talked about that, didn't we? And I told you that David wants more for his God, and he wants more with his God. This is where he is in his spirit, in his spiritual life, in his heart. He wants more for his God, the tabernacle, and he wants more with his God, a deeper relationship. So David comes to the office and He put some godly people in his cabinet, and one of those godly people is Nathan the prophet. Chapter 7, Nathan comes on the scene out of nowhere. Look at chapter 7, verse 2. David said to Nathan, this is not cool. I'm living in a mansion, and God is in a tent. Look at verse 3. Nathan said, go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Verse 4 tells us, That very night, God spoke to Nathan and said, nope, that's not what I want. Verse five and six, God said, Nate, tell David, I appreciate he wants to give me a house. I don't want you to build me a house. I never asked you to build me a house. As a matter of fact, God said, I haven't lived in a house since Egypt. I moved about in a tent and a tabernacle. Are y'all with me tonight? In other words, watch this. God is saying, I've always wanted to be with my people and stay near my people. I always want to be with my people and stay near my people. Now look at verse 7 of chapter 7. God said, wherever I moved, have I ever spoke to anyone from any tribe about building me a cedar house? God said, Nathan, verse 8, go tell David, I took you from the sheepfold. From following the sheep to be ruler over my people, And I've been with you wherever you've gone. God said, I cut off all your enemies from before you, and I've made your name great like the great men on the earth. God said, I will appoint a place for my people, verse 10, Israel, and will plant them, and they won't move again, nor will wicked people oppress them. I will cause you to rest from your enemies, and the Lord will build you a house. Underline that in your Bible. And the Lord's going to build you a house. I told you when God talks about a house, give me your attention. Look at me, please. When God talks about building David, a house, God is not talking about a structured house. God's not talking about a cedar house or a, a building of some sort. When God says, I'm going to build you a house. God is talking about a dynasty. God says, I'm going to build you a dynasty. I'm going to build you a lineage. I'm going to build you a heritage. I'm going to build you a posterity that's going to come all the way from you through all the way to Jesus. I'm going to build you a house, God said, a dynasty. And I told you, very important, that this is known as the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant is an unconditional covenant based on God's faithfulness. The Davidic covenant had nothing to do with David or Israel. The Davidic covenant did not at all depend, watch this, on David or Israel's obedience. Y'all need to pick this up. The Davidic covenant did not depend on David's obedience or Israel's obedience. The Davidic covenant was based on God's faithfulness and God's promises point blank period in the story. Now, doesn't that sound like the grace covenant? The grace covenant that God has made with us is based on God's faithfulness and God's promise to us. And it has nothing to do with you. God has made a covenant to bless us, to be with us, to fill us, to save us, to come back and get us. All of this. Somebody need to say amen. All of this. I'll wait while you clap your hands. All of this is the grace covenant that God has made with us. And it, like the Davidic covenant, has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. And my obedience or you and your obedience. It has everything to do with the fact that God in his grace decided to make a covenant and to bless your life because he is God, because he wants to. Are you happy about it? I think of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourself, it's the gift of God, lest anyone should, what saints? You know that Ephesians 2, 5, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. Now, God, listen. Has established this unconditional covenant with David. All David has to do is affirm the covenant and let God do His work. I'm going somewhere. Remember that. Remember that statement. All David has to do is affirm the covenant. Hmm. Affirm the covenant and let God do His work. Again, the covenant was based on. Nothing other than the fact that God is a faithful God. Can two saints say amen? God is a faithful God. We're faithless sometimes. God is faithful all the time. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? So it's based on God's faithfulness. Now, in the remaining 11 verses, David, get your pen, get your pen. In the remaining 11 verses, David pours out his heart in thanksgiving, in thanksgiving for the promises that God made to him and his people. Three points we're going to make tonight. This is a very easy Bible study. Very easy. Three simple points. Write them down. Number one, David praises God for the present promises. David praises God for the present promises. We're going to find that in verses 18 through 21. David praises God for the present promises. Number two, just put like, uh, what do you call those quotes? Just put quote, 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 David praises God for the past providence. Write that down, past providence in verse 22 through 24. And then finally, really easy tonight, David prays for the future promises in verse 25 through 29. Very easy text. David, number one, praises God for the present promises. Number two, he praises God for the past providence. Did I say providence? Okay, providence. I told you I'm tired. Providence. And then thirdly, David prays for the future promises. Verse 25 through 29. We complete the chapter. Chapter, Second uh, Samuel chapter 7. I want you to look at uh, verse 18. 2 Samuel chapter 7. Look at verse 18. Saints, if you're looking at verse 18, say amen. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said... Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God. You have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Notice how many times he says, O Lord God. Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you've done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God. For there is none like you, somebody say amen, nor is there any God beside you, somebody say amen, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people? Like Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people to make for himself a name and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations and their gods. For you have made your people, Israel, your very own people forever. i tell that to some people in politics. For you have made your people, Israel, your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever. Are y'all reading it? Establish it for how long? Uh-huh. And do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel. And let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has founded in his heart to pray this prayer to you. Underline that. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true. You believe it and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it. And with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Point number one, saints, in our outline, David praises God for the present promises in verses 18 through 21. Now, keep in mind these words. If you were with me, you know this. These words that were spoken to David were coming out of the mouth of Nathan, the prophet. God said, Nathan, tell David, you're not going to build me a house. Although in verse 10, a worship center will be built just not by you. Now, remember last time we asked the question, what do you do when God says no? Remember? Remember? Okay, three people. Let me try it again. Remember? Got it. What do you do when God says no? Verse 18, look at it. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord. Listen, when you're disappointed and you're discouraged and God says no, can I tell you something? The smartest thing you can do is go sit before the Lord. No, David, verse 18, gets this news. Disappointing. He wants to build God a house. What does he do? Verse 18 tells us David goes and sits before the Lord. That is a great, smart thing for you to do when God says no. In any area of your life, in any situation of your life, whatever you're praying about, if God tells you no or you don't hear from God. Let me let me add that there. Or you don't hear from God like some, you know, God has three answers to your prayer. Did we talk about the last time? God has three answers to your prayer. Yes, no and what? Wait. So if you hear yes, woohoo. If you hear no or wait, then go sit and wait and get things in perspective. And if you don't do that, you're going to be mad at your Nathans and you'll find yourself fighting against the will of God and doing your own thing. Can I tell you something? It happens all the time. It happens all the time. You want to do something for God and it's a good thing. It happens all the time. I see it all the time here in church, a pastor in this church. People come to me and they want to do something for God. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. And they come to me and they say, Pastor, I want to do a great thing. I want to do this for God. It's a great thing, but maybe it's not a thing that we need. And maybe it's not a thing that God told me is for Calvary Chapel. See, what God wants to do here is different than what God wants to do across town. And where many ministers make a mistake is that they try to, they look at something that they're doing across town and they, and they think, man, that'd be good for our church. That'd be great. Let's do that. Well, maybe that's not what God's doing here. Maybe God doesn't want to do that here. You got to take everything to the Lord in prayer. I can't, I can't believe four people said amen. Let me talk to this half of the room here. You got to take everything to the Lord in prayer. Yeah, everything. And see what God has to say. And sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. And sometimes God says wait. But if you don't sit and wait on the Lord, you'll start fighting against your Nathans. You get mad at your Nathans. You start blaming people and blaming the church and blaming Pastor Jim and blaming... I'm sorry. I don't know how your name got in my head, man. You're right there, so you're in line of sight. And and blaming blaming people. We 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 have seen this, have we not? People come and say, well, you know, I'd I like to do this in the marriage ministry. This has happened a long time ago, so I can talk about it now. I want to do this in the marriage ministry. We have a marriage ministry. We have a great marriage. We have a great marriage ministry. Pastor Jim and Melissa have served faithfully with the marriage ministry. So somebody comes up and they want to do something in the marriage ministry, which is not necessarily what God is doing already here. But then they get mad and they, well, you know what? I'll just leave the church. They don't want my gifts. They don't want my talents. Uh, they, don't, they don't, they don't, they don't, there's a us for no more church. I'm leaving because you're trying to do something that God hasn't called you to do or God said wait or God said maybe just sit and wait maybe it's just not the time for that right now it could be a lot of things it's not for us to question what God is doing it's for us to obey what God has told us to do am I right about it? So we can't, we, we, we can't just get ahead of God. This is a huge disappointment for David. But listen, when God says no, it means he has a better way. Write that down. When God says no, it means he has a better way. When God says no, it means he wants you to accept that no. We have a hard time accepting no. I've always said this. I think think waiting should be a spiritual gift. Shouldn't it? Patience, a gift. Because people don't want to wait. They don't want to wait. They don't want to be patient. They don't want to hear God say no. Sometimes God says no. Just like you say no for your children, and they may not understand it. But you say no because you know that's not a good thing for them. But then they start getting mad at you. You become Nathan to them. And this is working out great. Amen. You become Nathan to them because you're not doing what they think you ought to do. You have to follow God. You have to trust God and accept his will and then support what God says and trust him. And if you don't get before the Lord and go sit like David did, you end up bitter. You end up angry at people around you and they have nothing to do with the decision. Isn't that the truth? When God says no, the smartest thing for you to do is go and sit before the Lord. And then while you're sitting and thinking about God's answer, you'll come to yourself. And like David, you'll begin to praise God for present promises. We don't know how long David sat there. But after a while, David opens up his mouth and David begins to talk all the way to verse 29. First of all, he says, who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have bought me? This far, this is a great way to start a conversation with God. you need to write that in your margins. This is a great way to start a conversation with God. You know how, you know, how humble, humble, who am I? Oh Lord God. And what is my house that you have bought me this far? That's humility. Hey, word for the day, word for the day, stay humble, stay humble. Jesus was humble. We should be humble. And if you're not willing to be humble, you can't abide. Pastor Matt sermon. You can't abide if you're not willing to humble yourself. First Peter five, five memory verse God resists the proud, but gives grace to, to the humble. I told you the one condition of the heart that God resists is Pride. Pride drives a wedge between you and God. Pride destroys nations. Pride des- destroys marriages. Pride destroys families. Pride destroys moms and dads. Pride goes before destruction and a hearty spirit before fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Somebody once said, the problem with humility is when you realize you have it, then you just lost it. Isn't that true? The problem with humility is when you realize you have it, At that moment, you just lost it. Just at the point where you think, I sure am humble, (laughs) you ain't. Amen. My favorite verse, I told you, Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, I just don't know what to do. I don't, I'm this Christian thing is all about. It. I'm not really sure what I should be doing. Well, I'm supposed to be doing something, but I don't really know what to do. I can tell you what you can do: do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. Do you realize that if you do those three things right there, you're doing plenty. That's enough to keep you busy for a lifetime.